Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. I am your lovely host Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 44, and we are going to take a look at Luke chapter 12 verses 30 through 31, and I'm going to be reading from the TLB version. Let's open this up by prayer. I think this would be good. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to come together as believers in Christ Jesus. Help us to grow in our faith. Grant us wisdom. Thank you so much for everything that you do for us. Help us understand these scriptures in a new and wonderful way. Show us your light and your salvation every day of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Okay, so let's take a look at this puppy. It's a very interesting one. It says your heavenly Father knows your needs. He will always give you all you need from day to day. The first thing that jumps out at me with this one is your heavenly Father knows your needs. Your heavenly Father knows. So for anyone listening to this podcast that thinks that God doesn't love you, doesn't care about you or or thinks that God doesn't exist, you know, let's say for example, you're atheist, agnostic or maybe one of these other ways of thinking that I'm not aware of and you know, I know there's new stuff that pops up every day. But here's the thing, your heavenly Father knows what you need when you need it because he loves you. He created you. Every single one of us was created in his image. For that reason, because we were created in his image, all of us are called to a life of holiness. That doesn't mean that we all become priests or nuns or monks or whatever the case may be and lock ourselves in a nunnery or a monastery or just never leave a church. That makes no sense whatsoever and actually that goes against what God's holy word says to do we are the light of christ we are the body of christ how can we help others know salvation be saved get saved help them get to heaven and let them know about god's holy word and give them a chance to learn about jesus to give their life to christ if we never go outside of our bubbles if we never go outside our houses or our buildings and we never talk to people and we never be that light of Christ. Now when I say talk to people, I don't mean be a crazy annoying obnoxious nutbag of a bible thumper and just be yelling and preaching at people. There was a guy that did this in college. He I don't know why he was allowed on college campus. This was years ago cuz I'm 38 so this probably would have been like 17 or 18 years ago there is this guy who was on campus i think is i'm just going to make something up he's called preacher bob or or preacher i i can't remember his name he was preacher something or other we were in our late teens early 20s him and his crazy wife who was a hateful witch and i don't mean she was a wicked she just acted like a hateful witch um Katolo used a different word but I don't talk like that anymore. But anyway, they were in their late 20s. They made a point to trespass on college campus, the college I went to at that time. They made a point to trespass on the campus and just yell at students, you're going to hell. 
you're drinking, you're having sex, you're doing all this stuff. God hates what you're doing. He hates you. You're going to hell. And see, here's the thing. The only way that he could get away with doing that, which he should not have ever been able to get away with doing this, you know, initially he was just trespassing on campus and yelling at students and waving his bible and it just really gave a horrible name to Christians because he was not being a Christian. He was not being Christ-like. Even though he was using Christianity as his soapbox, he didn't really love or care about people because when you love and care about people, first of all, you don't condemn them to hell. Number 2, you don't act like God, and number 3, you never operate out of hate. Well, initially he was just trespassing on campus yelling at people. Well, then the college got involved and said, "Hey, you cannot you know, you cannot do that here at this college." You cannot be on the property unless you are enrolled in class. Well, guess what? They stupidly said that. This college was not very smart. It, you know, they were definitely morons. But anyway, this guy is like, "Oh, so I can stay here and yell whatever I want as long as I'm a student." So he enrolled in the minimum amount of classes. So he was a part-time student, both him and his wife. And negativity loves trouble. That's why he was able to find a wife that thinks exactly the way he does. And she was, she was like hell on earth. She was evil, wicked, horrible woman. So they would take shifts of yelling at, at students as we would be walking to class. And whenever we saw him or her, we we had to avoid them. So sometimes it took us longer to get to our classes because they were su- you know, such a toxic couple. They were such hateful people and what I found interesting was that they were claiming to be Christian but yet they were these nutty, crazy, hateful Bible thumper people and they were condemning people's souls to hell which is not Christ-like. And it's like how do you know that we partied? Me personally, I did not. I was not a partier in college. So it's just like these people it was so intimidating, it was kind of scary how hateful they were. because they were tremendously and excessively hateful. Would yell at anyone, didn't matter what color you were, didn't matter how tall you were. I mean, it didn't matter if you looked like a party animal or not. And I for sure did not look like a party animal because I was not and still am not a party animal. That was never my lifestyle. But they would just assume that if you're young and in college, you're you're a harlot, you're sleeping around, um Oh gosh, the wife, she would yell at us, the, the the women. She would yell at the women horribly. It was just stick your fingers in your ears. It was so awful. And for some reason, they were allowed to do this. The college didn't really care about the students, which you know what else is new? They really don't care. They just care about getting your money, even if it's your cash or through a student loan, and that's why we have so much student loan debt in this country. But anyway, These people had the audacity and the arrogance to act like they were God. And yet they were trying to get people to repent. I I never saw anyone repent of their sins. Why would anybody believe that a hateful person loves them or cares about them? They don't. Now let's look at what is actually supposed to be happening. If someone wants to give their life to Christ, they should know the love of Christ, not the hatred of a 
of a really wacko so-called believer and I say so-called believer because if someone truly believes in Jesus they would never treat other human beings the way this couple did. And here's the thing, I'm not even properly describing how much hatred they had for people. How how much hatred they had for young people. You know, is there a pretty large segment of the population that is young in their 20s partying, having sex, all that stuff? Yes. But that does not mean everybody does that. See, our heavenly Father actually knows what we're doing and what we're not doing. On the other side of that, our heavenly Father knows what we need and what we don't need. He knows that we need a savior. He gave us a savior. He knows we don't need the devil. He knows we don't need hatred. So God is never going to send us someone that is hateful to quote unquote try and change us or save us. Here in these verses it says your heavenly Father knows. Your heavenly Father knows everything about you, whether you like that or not, whether you feel worthy or not. Your heavenly Father knows everything that you need. He knows everything that you've done. He knows everything that you have not done. Being that we know this to be true, because our heavenly Father made us in His holy image, we should go to Him with everything. It doesn't matter where we've been, where we are, or where we're going. We need to keep that lifeline open with God because he loves us. And we know he loves us because he sent us his only begotten son to die for us. His son Jesus Christ took on all of our sins, all of our sickness, all of our diseases, everything that's curable and incurable. everything that's destructive and you know just death ridden he took all of that he took all those beatings all of that on the cross and died for us see some people don't want to acknowledge that Jesus not only took our sins he also took our illnesses he took our anxieties he took our fears he took our hardships he took all of that on the cross and on his back and on his head he took it on the cross through the nails that pierced his precious body he took it on the back with the lashes that were on his back he took it on his head by the crown of thorns that's a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of misery but he was willing to take on all of that because he loves us See whenever we are worshiping God and we believe in God, we are worshiping and believing in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's triune God, meaning three persons, one individual. God knew we needed a savior. It's speaking to that right here when it says your heavenly Father knows your needs. So being that God knew and knows what we need and he knew that we needed to be saved and he sent his son what makes you think he doesn't know that you need a better job or you you need a cure for whatever you're living with or maybe you need a better a better living condition maybe you need a new car 
Maybe you need your bills paid. Whatever it is, he knows all those things. Because if God knows that you need to be saved, then he's going to help you with everything else in your life. Sometimes Christians make the mistake of thinking that God only helps with the big major things. And he doesn't care and doesn't help or can't help with everything else. That's not true. That's a lie straight out of the depths of hell. The enemy, the devil, wants us to believe and to think on a daily basis that everything is our fault, it's all on us, and we're supposed to be able to do it all. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Nowhere. We are mortal. We are not immortal. We are mortal beings that serve a wonderful beautiful god that is immortal meaning we can't do it all and we were never made to do it all so why put up the front i'm supposed to handle all this you know there's a difference between i can handle it and i'm supposed to handle it the lie is i'm supposed to handle it the truth is i can handle it But the way that I can handle it, that phrase is I have the power of Jesus Christ living inside of me. I have God's strength living inside of me. So because I have his strength, I have that. I have that spirit living in me. I have the ability to handle it, but not on my own. That's what it means in the Bible when it says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. For those that are listening in other countries, we have a phrase here in the United States, especially in the Bible Belt, which is the very conservative states of the United States as opposed to being liberal, we are quite conservative. We have a phrase called pick yourself up by your bootstraps. It means that basically there's this mindset that you're supposed to be able to do it all, handle it all and that that you should never how to describe this it's not that you'll never have an issue but if an issue comes up you're supposed to handle it all by yourself no matter what suck it up don't be a baby well just just from my personal experience that way of thinking will only take you so far that way of living will only take you so far because literally there is only so much as an individual that you that you or I can do on our own And I know from my personal experience, I tried doing everything on my own. And the more I tried on my own and I did not give God a chance to help me, the more I suffered, the worse my life got. Now just FYI, whenever we are trying to pick ourselves up, pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps and we fail, that doesn't mean that we are incompetent or that we don't get it or that we're doomed or that we're pathetic or that we're a failure. None of those things. That's what the enemy would want us to think. He would want us to think all those negative things, but here here's the truth. God is the truth. He will guard you and protect you and he will give you strength to endure anything in this in this life and help you to succeed no matter what. So we still have to handle things that come up in our life, but we don't have to stay stuck there. 
And the way that we don't stay stuck is we cast our cares onto the Lord. See, if we don't cast our care, if we don't pray about and give God a chance to help us, that's when we stay stuck. We need God. And we need Jesus in our life. And we need the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, why would you only partake of a little bit of the feast when you can have it all? God calls us to his heavenly banquet. Why would we stay outside and think, "Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm just going to stay out here in the alley and eat the leftovers in the trash bin?" That's not what we are called to do. Or why would we go to the feast and only eat maybe one or two little pieces of an appetizer when we are called to the entire feast? The feast is everything that is within God's I don't want to say his entity, but within his power to help us, which is anything and everything with that goes on in our life. He can help us with anything and everything. Because that's the love of the heavenly Father. This these verses go on to say, he will always give you all you need from day to day. I love it when it says he will always give you all you need from day to day. That word always. It's not maybe It's not kind of it's not sometimes it's always he will always give you all you need from day to day the enemy would love to convince us that that God will only partially give us what we need well that's a lie straight out straight out of the depths of hell the devil doesn't want us to know that God wants to help us with anything and everything because he will always give us all we need from day to day The other part to that verse is very beautiful as well. He will always give you all you need. Not just some, all. So we have always and all. Those are pretty big words in terms of their meaning. He will always give you all you need from day to day. It doesn't say from year to year, from month to month, from week to week, from day to day. I'm sorry, excuse me. It doesn't say from year to year, month to month, week to week. It says from day to day. Meaning all of God's blessings and promises are given to us on a daily basis and for eternity because those are the promises of God. That's his promise to us. That's part of his covenant with Abraham, which goes back to the Old Testament. Sometimes Christians make the mistake of thinking, well, There was the Old Testament, we're not living those times anymore, so they're not relevant. Then Christians will think, well, there's the New Testament, but we're not in Jesus's time, so that's not relevant anymore. Well, if you don't think the Old Testament and the New Testament are relevant, what do you think is relevant? Relativism? I mean, it just makes no sense. If you truly believe in God's promises and you believe in his holy word, then you would know the old testament is relevant to our lives the new testament is relevant to our lives jesus is relevant to our lives and those things are always relevant to our lives until the end of time meaning it is throughout our lifetime and beyond it is forever it is for eternity because 
Whenever God makes a promise, it's it's not like how how do I describe this? It's not like when you go buy a vehicle and let's say you buy a new car and you get a promissory note or a loan that says you're going to pay, I'm just making this up, but you're going to pay $340 a month as a car payment every month for 5 years. And and then at the end of 5 years, you no longer have to make those payments. It's done, it's over with. God's promises are not like our banking system. And I'm not dissing our banking system in the United States. I wish it was better, but it's not as bad as other countries because the United States is not corrupt like other countries. But here's my point. God's promises are not temporary. God doesn't say I'm only going to help you for 5 years and it's only once a month every month. And also it's conditional. That's how a bank operates for whatever reason. God's promises are true. They are forever. So God's promises are not for 5 years, once a month every month, pay up or we confiscate your property. God's promises are forever. They are ever enduring. They they are always existing. They never cease to exist. God's promises are like promissory notes, but they are supernatural, meaning they do not follow the protocol or the paths that we are used to in terms of how we view loans and banking and promissory notes. See, when a bank makes a promise, I don't always have a very good feeling about it because I know how banks think. But that's also because I know how my heavenly father thinks and I would rather have his promises than a bank's promise. Because banks and bank loans can be bought and sold, you know, you know, willy-nilly basically. And banks don't really have your back. They have their back. You know, whenever you are in a covenant with God and he makes a promise to you, he has your back every single time because he loves you. His promise is never temporary. It is always permanent. His love for you is always there. It's not just for a season in your life. And here's the thing, if we fall and make a mistake, if we fall away from God or or if we sin, he doesn't cancel the note, the promissory note so to speak. His promises are forever and and, and they are true. So even when we mess up, he doesn't recall the note and say, "Oh, you screwed up. That's it. I'm confiscating the blessings I've given you." I'm confiscating everything I've given you. You're not worthy of it. You don't deserve it. I'm going to give it to somebody else. That's how a bank thinks. That is not how our heavenly Father thinks. And again, I'm not dissing banks. I'm just not always a fan of what they do to people sometimes. But here's the thing: how banks operate are a very true example of the natural world, of the world that we live in. That's why. That's why we are we are in this world but we are not of the world. That's why we are we are supposed to have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Like we're not supposed to be operating in the way that the world thinks is appropriate. 
We're supposed to be operating in the supernatural, which is why it's important to have that lifeline with God, to have that open communication with God so that way we don't get pulled into bad situations that don't help us but in fact harm us. He wants us to have supernatural blessing. See, God doesn't have to use a bank to bless you. Our heavenly Father technically is our bank. I mean, think about it. in heaven the streets are made of gold. Our streets here on here on earth are made of stone, asphalt, uh pebbles, cement, grass, dirt. Our heavenly Father has streets of gold where he lives and where he operates out of. So what makes you think he can't help you with anything and everything? I would rather focus on the promises of God that are permanent, loving and enduring than the temporary promises of this world. That's what this verse is talking about when it says he will always give you all you need from day to day. Day to day. So every morning when we wake up, if there is anything on our mind, we need to take that immediately to God first thing whenever we wake up. Whenever it hits our mind, whenever it hits our brain, cuz whatever hits our brain or our mind, it's affecting our heart. It's bothering our heart. So being that we know that is true, we should not hesitate to go immediately to our heavenly Father and say, "I need help with this." And I don't care how small or large the request is, God will help you with it. If you need a new refrigerator, ask God for a new refrigerator. I mean, God can do anything. He can drop it from the sky and have it land right in front of, you know, right in front of your house in your front yard. And he can give you that refrigerator right in front of your enemies. Let's say for example, you have a horrible nasty neighbor, Watch the Lord defend you, protect you and show up and out in your life. God loves to show the enemy how much he loves you and how much he blesses you. So don't be surprised that when good things happen in your life, it's almost always going to be public. It's going to put your enemies to shame. and it will be supernatural like it will not be naturally explainable it it will not be easily comprehended by people because they won't understand it especially the unbeliever they will not understand why you are being blessed for example in a famine in a crisis well that's the blessing of god and these blessings from god aka our heavenly father It's given to us on a day-to-day basis. It's always day-to-day. It's never year-to-year, month-to-month, week-to-week. Everything is brand new each and every day. Because guess what? There's only so much we can do in a day. God God knows that. And he designed us that way. He did not design our bodies to stay awake for a week. and then sleep for a week or stay awake for a month and then stay dormant for a month we were created for continuous blessing 
That's why it says he will always give you all you need from day to day. You know, the way that our heavenly Father blesses us, it's also nothing like how our employer pays us. You know, I've had employers where they paid me every Friday, they paid me every other week, every two weeks, or once a month, or heaven forbid, every couple of months, which can be horrible. Our Heavenly Father blesses us every day. Can you imagine, I'm just giving you an example, and I'll close with this. Imagine working for an employer that paid you a lot of money every day. Seven days a week. They just paid you an awesome wage every single day. Every single day, money hit your bank account. That's what our Heavenly Father does when He blesses us. It is every day. So think about it this way. While we are awake, we are supposed to take our needs, our wants, our desires to our Heavenly Father... Lift it up in prayer. Believe we have received it the moment we prayed it. And then we, you know, we operate throughout the day doing the best that we can as Christian believers. And even if we fail or make a mistake, get back up, repent, apologize, whatever, whatever the case may be. Continue your life. And then when we go to bed at night, a lot of times... That's when God goes to work in a different way. And what I mean by that is that even though we are asleep, he is not asleep. Our Heavenly Father does not slumber. So while we are resting, he is still working behind the scenes on our behalf. He's preparing and prepping those blessings for us for the next day. So that way those blessings will basically impact our life the following morning even though those blessings were already on the way and our prayers were already answered the moment we prayed it sometimes we have to wait a little bit to receive those blessings and one of those reasons is because we have to rest like sometimes i'll wake up and something new will happen in my life and it and i will realize later that Wow, God has been working on this this entire time. It's like I knew that, but when you actually see it in action and you see something come to pass, it puts a totally different light on it. See, just because we were sleeping and resting, that doesn't mean our heavenly father was because he was not. He does not slumber. He doesn't have to rest. He doesn't have to sleep every night like we do. Because again, he's our heavenly father and we are mortal beings. Like our life is temporary, but his love for us is forever. And I just think it is so wonderful of our of our heavenly father to build us in this way and to create us in this way because think about every morning when we wake up, it's almost like Christmas morning, but for all of mankind. We have the opportunity to receive the goodness of God every every single morning. It's almost like when kids run down the stairs and go and see what Santa Claus brought them on Christmas morning. See, I mean this is obviously an analogy, but you know Santa Claus 
technically, I'm not saying he's like real real, but the story is is that Santa Claus can't come to your house if you're awake. He can only show up when you're asleep. And then you wake up and you receive the presence that he left behind, right? It's almost the exact same thing with God. We have to rest our bodies. We need to rest our mind, our heart, our souls. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult to receive the blessings of God. Because if we don't rest and if we don't give God a chance to fight our battles, we will have battle fatigue. We will not live as long and we will not be able to acknowledge or appreciate the blessing because we're so exhausted from staying awake all the time or we're so exhausted from fighting all the time fighting our own battles i have news for you not a single one of us can do it on our own not a single one of us and i'll say this it takes courage to go to your heavenly father and to ask him for help and the reason why i say that is because there's been this false movement within the body of Christ that that God doesn't want to hear from us and that we shouldn't go to him with everything that we need help with. And, you know, God may show up and help you, he may not. He may bring a disease or sickness on you to teach you a lesson. That is a that is a load of horse manure. We worship the God of blessing. It's the enemy that brings death and disease. Why else would our heavenly Father heal us of of death and disease? Like why else would Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? If God was really a God of punishing like what some people believe, then he would have then he would have never sent his son to die for our sins. He would have never sent Jesus to heal us of our diseases and he would have never raised Lazarus from the dead much less anybody else. Because if if we believe in the false doctrine that God causes problems just to teach us a lesson, then wouldn't he have left Lazarus dead? Wouldn't he have just left him in the tomb? I'd be like, "Well, I'm trying to teach Lazarus a lesson, so let's just leave him in there to rot." Just the opposite happened. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead to give him a new beginning, a new life. That's why it's important to remember that anything outside of the goodness of God does not come from God, it comes from the enemy. As Christian believers, we need to do a better job of recognizing when we are believing a lie that comes straight out of the enemy's camp. And what people don't realize is that we've already we already have the victory, we have already won. So being that we already have the victory in Christ Jesus, why would we believe the stupid pathetic lies and statements of the devil and his stupid goons? You know, not believing in Jesus and believing that we already have the victory would be like if we go back to World War II and you know we we defeated the Nazis but if we 
if we follow what the devil would want us to think and not believe in we have victory then we would just think oh yeah well i guess we won but did we really yes we really we really did defeat the nazis they really were defeated so if you know that your foe is defeated stop enabling them see whenever we believe in a lie from the devil We are enabling the enemy to operate in our daily life, not our yearly life, not our monthly life, and not our weekly life. We are enabling him to operate in our daily life and to steal the blessing of God out of our heart. And that's not right. That's why this verse says, "Your heavenly Father knows your needs." He will always give you all you need from day to day. So every day we are supposed to be filling up on the promises of God. We are not supposed to be filling up on the lies of the devil. I would say that if you need help filling up on the word of God and you you say for example you don't have a lot of time, it's all right. Just read one verse a day. Start with the book of Genesis and you know when you wake up in the morning or maybe during your lunch hour you just read one verse a day and you just say this is one of the promises of God here it is right here and let me go to to the book of Genesis. Let me read you the first verse. Cuz it's really interesting when you look at these one verse at a time. And again, I'm not saying being a crazy Bible thumper, that's not the point of this. You know, we can be very passionate about our faith and in Jesus, but We need to recognize that when you are a Bible thumper and you're acting nutty, you're actually pulling away from God, trying to act like God, and you're really just getting closer to the devil because remember, even the devil knows scripture. So just because someone knows scripture that doesn't mean they're holy. But let's take a look at this. Let's say you only read one verse a day. That's cool. It's a good it's a good start. Here's Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. period. That's all it says. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. What a beautiful beautiful verse. Right from the beginning we know that God existed. He created the heavens and the earth. That means he created everything. And he did it out of love. So then let's say, you know, let's say that's on a Monday, you know, your first day at a new job. Second day of work, you read the second verse. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What does that tell you? It tells me that even in the face of adversity, even when things are uncertain, God is there. He has not forgotten us. He always has a plan that is good for our lives. See, God's holy word is never ending. It doesn't matter whether we are reading from the New Testament or the Old Testament. All of God's promises are yes and amen and they are there for us to protect us and to bless us. See, every single one of these verses in the Bible is a promise to us from God one way or another. It's a promise to us. because it's part of his covenant with us. We have multiple promises, we have multiple covenants, 
All of this comes from our heavenly Father, and He does this because He knows our bodies are temporary, but our souls are eternal because He made us that way. That's why the devil comes at us so horribly and so strongly sometimes is because he wants to destroy the body so that he can convince us that we should give our souls to him and that's a lie. That's why the devil wants us to doubt God. He wants us to think that everything that is happening to our body is from God so that we should just give up and roll over like a possum. or be like a lemming and run off a cliff and just give up. Not a single one of us is called to be a possum or play possum. Not a single one of us is called to be a lemming. Every single one of us is called to be a believer in Christ Jesus, to live a good holy life and to enjoy our life. But if we don't know and understand the holy word of God or if we don't believe in God's promises, it is very difficult to have a good life. Because we will not be living in the blessing of God. So by all means, live in the blessing of God. Read about his promises. All of God's promises are yes and amen. Why? Because they're always true. The devil is always a liar, always has been, always will be. You know what the devil's like? The devil is like a basically a best friend that you never should have been best friends with, never had good intentions for you, always wanted to harm you, always did everything they could to deceive you and steal from you, but yet still tries to convince you that you should be friends with them. See that's the cunningness and the slyness of the devil. If if we should not be listening to the lies of a person, why are we entertaining the lies of our enemy? We shouldn't do that. We should only be entertaining the truth of God. We should only be friends with good people. We should only be close acquaintances with people that want what is best for us, not what is worse for us, and that includes who we date, who we marry, who we associate with, who we work for, who we're friends with, you know, who we go to football games with, and also what churches we attend. Because all of these relationships matter. But the number one relationship is the relationship how do I describe this the number one relationship that is important is the relationship that you have with your heavenly father It's very important It's very important that that we walk with Jesus Christ because he wants to walk with us all the days of our life Why would we walk with anybody else, especially people that are, you know, bad spirits that, you know, just want to bring us down? See, God wants to keep company with us, but see here's the thing. Bad company is bad, good company is good. God is always good. So you can rest assured that when you keep company with God, it is always good company. He will always be for you, never against you. He always has your back. The enemy, 
He will always be against you. He will always lie to you. Always. That's why you have to doubt his lies and believe in the truth of our heavenly Father. Believe in his holy word. All of that is important because you know we're technically dealing with the salvation of our souls. And technically, we only have one shot at this life. Because once we pass away, it's a done deal. Whether good, bad or ugly, so to speak. That's why the light of Christ that lives in us should reflect God's holy word. So if if we are the light of Christ, which we are, then it should be evident and obvious that we know in this particular example, we know for a fact that our heavenly Father knows our needs. And that he will always give us all we need from day to day. It, you know, it should be obvious that we believe that because we should be operating in that faith. If we are not operating in that faith, then we are missing out on so many blessings. I mean, some blessings might trickle in here and there, but why have a trickle when you can have a flood? Why not have a tsunami of God's blessing? That's one of God's promises, come to the feast, come to the banquet. God doesn't say, "Hey, come to the ditch." He says, "Come to the feast, come to the banquet." So by all means, go to the feast believe and be blessed believe and be blessed that's what god wants for you all the days of your life i will go ahead and end this podcast i pray that that you have a wonderful life and that you are reading a good bible and that and that you really seek out god's promises And even if you can't read the Bible, you know, throughout the entire year, you know, like the entire Bible in one year, that's okay. Like I said, just read one verse a day. One verse a day is better than nothing at all. I mean, basically, whenever you are reading God's holy word, you're taking heavenly medicine. That's why it heals and restores your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, your heart, it's heavenly medicine. Like people are quick to take antibiotics, but they are not quick to give God a chance. And I don't mean that you don't take the antibiotic. I'm just using an analogy that you know people are quick to do things in the natural when they need help, but they are not quick to do things in the supernatural when they need help. We need to be doing both. Yes, we should take care of things efficiently and correctly in the natural, for sure. That is one of our responsibilities as as Christian believers and as the people of God, but we are also supposed to partake in the supernatural realm. And what a blessing that is, because there's a whole lot of power in that because it's God's power. It's his authority. And he gives us authority as as believers in his son in Christ Jesus. to be triumphant to be successful to be amazing to be prosperous to be healthy to be wealthy you know to be a blessing to others it is such a good feeling when you know you are blessed because then you can bless other people 
it's a wonderful feeling to do good deeds for other people. It's very important to do that. Because if we don't feel blessed, more than likely we are not blessed. Sometimes feelings are true, sometimes they're not. But here's the thing. People typically know when they're happy and when they're not happy. We need to start being happy in God's holy word. We need to stop believing in this negative form of Christianity that has no place in the body of Christ. That's why the Bible says we should be of good cheer. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So basically, God's holy word is the merk manual for every situation and every problem that we have, whether physical, spiritual, or mental, whatever the case may be. We have a responsibility to take our heavenly medicine. And I personally believe the more heavenly medicine we'll take, the better our lives will be. We'll live longer, we'll be happier, and we'll have more because that's part of the promises of God. That's part of his love for us. I will go ahead and end this podcast, but as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless. Don't let this world go down without a fight.